Tuesday's gone. And Tuesday's here. I'm happy that you're with me on a Tuesday. I feel like I'm on a I'm on an old pirate ship over here, just hoping it all stays together. Uh, this computer is making me worried. It's having a hard time handling just switching between browser tabs, and now it's really just a matter of figuring out what piece of hardware needs to be replaced next. And I'm hoping it's not CPU, motherboard. I, ho I hope we're not talking about that right now. Because it's already apparent to me that I have just uh, wasted another $650 on a video card that I did not need. So I'm bringing in the big guns, and I have a uh, I have a friend who's uh, who's going to be swinging by with one of his uh, trusted computer repairmen. I need some hands-on stress testing on this machine to see what's happening here. We got to get into the uh, we got to get into some stress-free broadcast days where I don't have to worry about this this creeping up on us. So um, anyway. More things to think about, but it's never uh, it, it that never stops. You're always upgrading something. You're always tending to things, and uh, and you're always looking to make things better, more stable, more accessible for people. And then when you think you have everything figured out, you get somebody emailing you. You have to turn up the volume. Like, ma'am, have you tried turning up the volume knob? No, it's you. It's definitely you. It's definitely on your end. So, um, it never ends. It never ends. That is September 19th, 2023. And greetings to all of our friends on quitefrankly.tv, uh, YouTube. Um, you know, I, uh, it's going to be a short show tonight. We'll see. I may, I may bounce off in the, in the halfway point. I may just let it roll because there's really nothing, uh, nothing happening here. Um, too controversial. I don't think so. May just bounce off. But anywho, Rumble and Twitch and DLive and Rockfin, it's great to have you all here. Theta, it's like your your last days over there on Theta. I hope that you're you're comfortable. Yeah, there's only six of you watching now. We had built that up to 16. And I guess they've all found alternative places to watch as Theta abandons <coughs> their their streaming. Their streaming, um, which was was exciting at a point. But anywho, uh, thank you so much for being here. That's all I really want to say. And thank you to my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com, to Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. That is quite frankly dot gold. So get your food and your water and your communication and everything else over there at BlueMonsterPrep.com. Promo code frankly. And then there's so much else you can get on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. I hope you go and do it and you patronize some of our friends because if you patronize them, then uh, in turn, for some of them, at least, you patronize us. A lot of them might just have them up there because we're friends. Um, but, uh, you know, it's good. It's good communal, mutually beneficial relationships. So thank you so much for being out there, friends. It's Tuesday night, and we're just going to be going through, it might like an extended grab bag kind of a thing. Uh, but we're going to be doing a lot of follow-up on some stuff. I have uh, thoughts and and um, and things from last night. Loose ends to tie up. And time for calls. I'm going to need your calls. I'm going to need your calls. Tomorrow night, we're going to be ending the week with Nick Hinton. He's got a new book. We have some uh, personal stories about journeys and 
journeying through time and space and relationships and what this kind of a quest for enlightenment does to people at times when you have to when you have to really uh, assess the, the the darkness that we're living through right now and always in in search of the light at the end of the tunnel it's going to be good tomorrow night i think a really good note to leave off on with this this uh show until monday because as you know i'll be in new england at jay gunnell's retreat i'll still be uploading stuff to podcasts and keeping up with you guys and then on sunday night on with matt christensen live at 9 p.m and that officially kicks off the week because then we're right into monday morning again and off to the races with uh rich barris rich barris comes back on monday it's the last monday of september can you imagine that another month gone rich barris then we have nurse penny Penny Whitbroat is on with us on Wednesday the 27th, and she has one heck of a near-death experience. I cannot wait to get this story on the record on this show. That is followed up on September 28th with another show about the afterlife and proof of heaven. That's Dr. Evan Alexander. He's on with us taking calls and all that good stuff. And, uh, and then we're knocking on the door of October. Mike Williams, Sage of Quay, is coming back for part two of the Beatles conspiracy. Uh, any kind of story, uh, questions and comments that we had from that, uh, that hour that we spent with him last month, I wanted to bring him back as quickly as I could to just get a second part on that and then expand into new topics if we have time. Then we're going to do a wonderful night of history with Incredible History. That's the name of the account on, on Twitter. That's going to be a good one. We've got Alaric the Barbarian coming back in early October to do Columbus Day and talk about the Age of Exploration. Uh, Kim Russo, Psychic Medium. Greg Carlwood will be back on October 26th. I think on October 27th. That's Friday, October 27th. I think we're going to have Sal Greco in studio. I think he's going to be in New York. He's coming in studio on the 27th. That should be fun. We'll just be talking about growing up in New York, NYPD stories, all types of weird stuff. Um, it won't just be about uh, Eric Adams. I, I have a lot, a lot. Of, I have a lot of questions. It'll be a really chill night. He also said that he wants to come back to New York in December with Roger Stone. Can you imagine if Roger Stone is sitting in this in this studio uh, in December? What would you want me to ask him? What would you want to talk about? That would be an unusual amount of heat on this building if that's the case. If that's the case, I will keep it a secret until uh, the last moment. But uh, just throwing it out there. Can you imagine? All right. Well, uh, that's all I have in the opening the opening announcements over here. I hope that it was uh, it was pleasurable for you. As pleasurable for me as it was for you. <laughs> all right. Good movies on quite frankly TV last night. I couldn't even believe um, how long it's been since I've seen LA Confidential. Good movie. Really good. But that was on last night. I hope many of you enjoyed it. I know some of you did. I saw it. But um, here we go into the grab bag. The first one up is from the New York Post. And here it is. This, you want to talk about a smarty pants, a real smart guy. Chicago mayor proposes. A city-owned grocery store, or plural, grocery stores, as Walmart and Whole Foods are leaving the city because, of course, they are being looted constantly. Constantly. 
And as they exit, they are leaving behind, as the, the new mayor calls it, food deserts. Food deserts. Now, that is a smart man right there. I bet he came up with that term all himself. I feel like it's a, like a food desert in here. Every desert is a food desert, you ninny. My gosh. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson said he wants to open city-owned grocery stores uh, to serve neighborhoods that have become food deserts after four Walmart stores and Whole Foods closed. So anybody who sells food has abandoned ship in Chicago because they are being raided by people who are just, I don't know, I, I, like even they are unfit to walk into a store. Forget about having enough money to buy a lot of things in the store. It's not just that, oh, you know, people are on uh, people are on limited budgets and we're just not making our monthly nut over here at Whole Foods. We're not just making we're not making enough money over here with our overpriced food to keep the lights on. So I think we just have to close up shop and and, uh, you know, maybe a Piggly Wiggly will come in. Maybe a food lion will come in. And um, but no, 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 no. We're talking about. They can't stay open because they're being robbed constantly and there is no recourse. So, socialists, the planners keep planning and they come up with stupider and stupider plans. Here's a stupidest plan so far, the stupiderest. Johnson announced last week that his administration would partner with nonprofit advocacy group Economic Security Project to put stores in underserved areas of the city. Oh no, they have been overserved. That's the whole issue here. In underserved areas of the city, a proposal Republicans called something out of Soviet-style central planning. Yeah, it is, but the the fact that it's a reaction that this is a reaction to Wanting to avoid actually taking care of the crime problem at all costs, it just makes it pathetic on top of stupid. Yes, it is Soviet, but it, it, the fact that you, you have no choice but to propose plans like this because you refuse to acknowledge what the real problem is. When the Post reached out to Walmart for comment, a company spokesperson pointed to the April press release, which said that, that collectively our Chicago stores have not been profitable since we opened the first one nearly 17 years ago. Last November, but something just happened. Somehow they were able to provide services to Chicago for 17 years until the last couple of years. Last November, well, it all just started going to hell, I guess. But here's the thing. As years went on, uh, well, Whole Foods has a lot of empty stores. The Post has commented, blah, blah, blah. Only time left. Okay. Only time will tell if a government-owned grocery store would fill the vacant lot instead. Though Johnson's administration still reportedly needs a conduct to, uh, or to conduct a, uh, a feasibility study before providing a timeline of actually opening these stores. Now, my thing is, so when they start robbing the government food store, then what? Then what? I mean, I, I guess it's just one. What is it? Is it just a, a a neighborhood free buffet or like what is it? Don't you already have soup kitchens? Isn't that what you're talking about here? Anybody can go there and pick up, a, you know, a, 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 I don't know. It's just so nonsensical. 
Let's go from privately owned uh, corporations, uh, you know, bringing food in to publicly owned food troughs. And all the while, it's just that people are stealing. So um, that's that is your that is your job when you wake up every morning and you are a, a Democrat, especially in any of these cities and towns. Um, moving on to another one, another uh, giant in the field right now is John Fetterman. He went, they brought him to the United Autos Workers. We're talking about that. And he had a few few amazing things to say. Here, listen to this. This is my message to the, the, CEOs, the CEOs. Hold on, he has a message to the CEOs. The same CEOs who took all of the, uh, who turned who turned Chicago into a food desert, probably. These damn food de- deserts are everywhere. Hold on, put this up. My message to the, the, CEOs, the CEOs is, you know, at $74 million, you know, collectively earning that, you know, how many yachts can they need, you know, you know to, to, yacht, to water, uh, yeah. ski behind it? You know, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I don't yeah, yeah, now I know he. Now I know why he has to wear his hoodie. Now I know why. But uh, if if you went to uh, certain parts of Twitter the other day, they say, "Oh wow, John Fetterman destroyed Lauren Boebert." They, they, they can't. You can't. Can't destroy it. The Senate had to change their dress code so their newest disabled member, uh, because their newest disabled member is depressed, he has to wear hoodies. He's incapable of destroying anything. This is a sad, sad farce. Just like whatever kind of highlight clips I saw coming out of the UN address. Lauren came home today from, you know, doing one thing or another with the baby. Came home to, did you see uh, Joe Biden in front of the UN? I said, no. No, no. But I'll tell you exactly what, what uh, how it's going to be reported on. Uh, and it's exactly the way it is because it, it's all a game. He's going to be up there mumbling, saying something stupid. Uh, he's there in front of all of the company men and women of the internationalist cabal that he is serving. The one that actually gave him the motto, his campaign slogan, a build back better. I mean, these are all of his all of his colleagues. That's it. Um, not peers, not neighbors in the international community. They are they are there for a very specific thing. The UN is an evil organization. And um, so they are going to make this bumbling loser. They're going to go, oh, it, isn't it amazing? Finally, we have some respectability on the world stage, all the paid shills on Twitter will say. And then on the other hand, they'll go and they'll share clips of Donald Trump being uh, uh, snickered at by all of the people that he was talking about independence to. You remember when he was saying things that was like, you know, alert that the international community is allergic to? They were like, wow, finally somebody's saying it. And they're kind of like snickering at him. Of course, those same people who think that Joe Biden did a, a sensational job mumbling to all of his uh, his friends out there were saying, at least he's not being laughed at. We were a laughing stock because they don't understand why. They don't understand why people were snickering at Donald Trump. They don't understand what the, uh, the, the repulsion was. People are so stupid. And that, that's why there's less. I think that's what is most depressing about things. The more you learn, the more you read, the more you go back in time. Not talking about the more bit shoot videos you watch or anything like that. I'm talking about the more you really educate and you're going through all different. I, I mean, it just the more you take in, the more you realize there's no conversations to even have. You're so far away 
from being able to have a conversation with people who think this way and watch all this stuff and think that there's something to it. You're so far away from that. I think that's the worst part. That uh, usually when I'm in a situation where there's like people around that are, especially if they want to get confrontational, I try to just move on to another topic. Let's talk about baseball or whatever. Let's just get away from this. There's no talking. There's no talking. Uh, and, it, and it's across the board. It's not just, it's, it's people who think that they're, you know, conservative too. Everybody, nobody understands. Nobody on that mainstream level understands. Um, and that's what this is all tied into. This ridiculousness from John Fetterman. That's why I avoid this. But then this 17 seconds came by my dash. I said, okay, it's only 17 seconds. What is it now? What is it now? And then you just shake your head and say, all right. And then I got 47 seconds of this debris field that was found uh, supposedly with the missing fighter jet, the F-35. Take a look at this, please. Take a look. What the hell am I looking at right now? A little bit of trees parting. There's some trees that have been knocked down. It looks like somebody sprinkled confetti. I mean, I don't know if there's better footage out there circulating, but does does this damage look like a fighter jet caused it? Obviously, it wasn't loaded with explosives, but was it not loaded with fuel? And the debris field, like I said, looks like somebody sprinkled confetti around there. Did the jet is the F-35 designed to atomize upon impact? What the hell is this? What's it supposed to be? Or maybe it was in stealth mode. Maybe it was in stealth mode when it crashed. Maybe that's why we can't see it. Uh, The real question I have is, wouldn't it be great to actually know what is going on with any situation, like once? To be confident that we know what's going on and have that just be, there's, there's nothing else you have to contend with? Nothing? Obviously, this is horseshit in one way or another, but um, I don't know. Talk about stealth. Just gone. All right, here's one more for you. Here's a headline from Zero Hedge going out to uh, eastern eastern, uh, Ukraine. Millie and Stoltenberg agree we must prepare ourselves for a long war in Ukraine. Yeah, they want this to be the next Korea. No doubt about it, they want this to be the next Korea. It's the only option that they really have if they don't want to just uh, quit and admit that they lost or if they really want to make the world, uh, turn the world into crispy critters and actually um, start a nuclear engagement. But I don't think stalemate is going to be in the cards. Two top Western officials just said that NATO is preparing to settle in for a long war in Ukraine as the prospect for peace negotiations retreats further and further on the horizon. First, NATO Secretary General John Stoltenberg, in an interview published Sunday by Germany's Funk Media Group, said that the alliance is committed to seeing military support to Kiev through and that this is only the only way to achieve peace. Man, peace through war. Most wars last longer than expected when they first begin. Therefore, we must prepare ourselves for a long war in Ukraine, he said, and added we must recognize that if Zelensky and the Ukrainians stop fighting, their country will no longer exist. There's plenty of countries that don't exist anymore. There's plenty of countries that don't exist anymore. 
And uh, how many times has Russia said that they already have everything they want? Whatever is left of Ukraine, they just want to be neutral. But that can't happen because NATO, that's the one that wants more and more and more. And the forces that stand behind NATO. That's the really greedy, hungry, expansionist mindset. That's where that's coming from. Uh, if the president, uh, President Putin and Russia stop fighting, we will have peace. Oh, that leaves us a lot of room. A lot of room for progress there. But after going all in on verbalizing the, the desire for military solution, he still tried to emphasize, we all want a quick peace. So you want a quick surrender by Putin, which is you're not getting. It's certainly contradictory messaging, given he didn't do so much as uh, broach the possibility of getting Kiev and Moscow to directly dialogue at the negotiating table. Yeah, because they've been standing in the middle of that since the beginning. This, become, this comes as the Ukrainian government is still trying to increase the pressure on its Western partners concerning more weapons at a faster rate. And the advanced hardware as political, uh, Politico presents. Next on the same day as Stoltenberg's comments grabbed headlines, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs General Mark White Rage Milley spoke with CNN about the state of the war and the Pentagon's perspective. He too warned that this conflict is set to endure for a long time. There's well over 200,000 Russian troops in Russian-occupied Ukraine. It's Russia. It's Russia now. This offensive, although significant, has operational and tactical objectives that are limited in the sense that they do not, even if they are fully uh, achieved, they don't completely kick out all the Russians, which is the broader strategic objective that President Zelensky had. Can you imagine this? I mean, uh, yeah, this is the... This is the, the brain trust. This is the suicidal brain trust. And again, why is this? Because it first asserts the delusional endgame of winning back all lost ground is even possible. It's asserting that that is possible. It is not. And then beyond that, they are, um, there are the stay-behind political considerations that I've been bringing up lately. What happens in what is left of Ukraine if the junta that is running the country is anything but the neutral buffer between NATO and Russia that um, that they've always wanted. The only thing they've ever wanted to maintain after all these years, a buffer between NATO and Russia. It's pretty simple. And at the same time, pretty non-negotiable. So we see where we go next. And I have to, you know, I have to ask one more question about this, this Ukraine situation. Because, of course, the people who carry water for it are still just, they do not stop. Sean Penn, what happened to a person like Sean Penn to end up like this? I saw this a couple of days ago. I set it aside. Sean Penn, will the Will Smith slap at the Oscars would not have happened if the Oscars had let Zelensky speak. Now, you can say he's controlled, he's blackmailed, he's one thing or another. I mean, he was one person at one point. And then he became this. And that's a horrible thing to become. I don't care what, what kind of notoriety, name recognition, what kind of millions he cre- he uh, made for himself, what kind of trophies he won over his life. What, a, what the hell happened to this raisin-faced idiot? 
Sean Penn has criticized the Academy Awards for not allowing Ukraine's President uh, Zelensky to speak at the 2020 Oscars ceremony, adding that Will Smith's infamous slap would not have happened if Zelensky had appeared. In an interview with Variety about Penn's Ukraine invasion uh, documentary, Superpower, he said the Oscars producer thought, oh, Zelensky is not lighthearted enough. Well, guess what you got instead? Will Smith. Obviously said in jest in some way, but not really. This is a, this is a guy who went over there and presented his golden dildo to Zelensky in front of cameras. This is very, very important to him for one reason or another. And um, I just, just what happens to a person? Can you imagine the, 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 uh, I don't know. That's terrible. Really, really awful. But he's got to live with himself, so there's that. Uh, one last thing before we go, and it has a little bit to do with uh, Ukraine and a little bit to do with John Fetterman. That is Susan Collins, ladies and gentlemen. Susan Collins from Maine jokes that she will wear a bikini in response to the Senate getting rid of their dress code so that John Fetterman can look like a homeless man from uh, from Midtown Manhattan. Here's a question for you at home. You can call in with whatever you want tonight, but here's a burning question for you. Would you rather get nuked by Russia or lay eyes on Susan Collins in a bikini? That's a serious question. Would you rather be incinerated by Russia in a nuclear exchange or would you rather lay eyes on Susan Collins in a bikini? You think that over. Don't rush. Think it over. And then you call in, 914-200-0269. We will be back in a flash. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Okay, so this is, quite frankly, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoyed the opening. Already threw some things out there for you. I have more to show you right now. Uh, you know, before we go anywhere, I would like to, to just remind you of all the open threads that I hope that you go and put your two cents into over the course of the next couple of days, especially while I'm away, because when we come back, I'd love to jump into some of these. But on quitefrankly.tv, if you go to the forum, the forum tab up top, we have a few there already. Today, I added this. What is the greatest compliment you have ever received? 
That was added today at around 11 a.m. So these are compliments, things that somebody paid you that are so they were like almost life changing or at least heart stopping. Then I have a lost and found. Could you share some stories with us of losing something and finding it years later? Now, there's already a couple of really amazing entries in there, but I would love to get a dozen more. This one is going to be pushed out across all my socials over the next couple of days to try to kickstart this in uh, in preparation for October. But paranormal military stories. We have a lot of men and women out there who have served, both uh, you know, in active duty, home and abroad. Paranormal military stories. Are you a military vet? And have had bone-chilling paranormal experiences during active duty, especially in war zones or on foreign soil in general, wherever it is, back at base, at home, it does not matter. Let us know what you got going on there. Paranormal military. And uh, and there's more coming. But there's also, we I always keep the re- reoccurring and recurring dreams repository pinned up to the top as well. And for a while there, I've also put some strange food preferences and hacks and combinations there too. And that, that's been a really fun one. There's 83 there now. Let me go to the last. Let me go to the last uh, the last page and see what people have added there on food hacks and strange combinations. I haven't seen this in a while. Listen to this. Corona Pop says, my great-grandmother used to make... Hold on, sorry. My great-grandmother used to make uh, veggie burgers, as they originally were. A burger made of veggies. A kind of, uh, kind of, I kind of resent the fake meat veggie burgers that give the original thing a bad name. She'd take any vegetables from the garden that became ripe early. There weren't, uh, um, there were, uh, wait, there, there wasn't enough of it to bother canning because there wasn't a full... Uh, canner's worth. A bag of frozen mixed vegetables works too. And then she would boil it and add it to mashed potatoes, form it into a patty, and fry it like a burger to get a crunch on the outside. Salt and pepper, and you would eat it hot. It was like a giant tater tot. A couple of years ago, I got interested in brewing. Most of my equipment came from uh, garage sales, and initially, most of my ingredients were whatever I had a surplus from in the garden. Uh, this meant things like blackberry, rhubarb, squash, and pumpkins. Uh, pumpkin mead turned out the nicest. Pumpkin mead, huh? Then one year on a whim, I decided to try alternative sugars. When a store near me had candy canes for a quarter of a box, it stacked up with the uh, the Easter candy. If guys in prison can brew with candy, I took a hammer to them and dissolved them in boiling water and then just treated it like normal sugar. Water mixture from there, and away I went. It turned out really nice for spiking cocoa. After that, I went a little nuts with it and have been experimenting with all kinds of flavors. Think about that. Here's a small one from NJSF. For a, for a hearty salad, I like... Hold on. My, my computer monitors are flashing on and off real quick. Let's let that end before I can go back to reading. For a hearty salad, I like canned sardines and spicy tomato sauce with arugula, mushrooms, cherry tomatoes, hearts of palm, and olive. I, that actually sounds good. That doesn't sound weird at all. But there's a lot of weird stuff in this. Lot, this yeah, that, there's a lot of weird stuff in this. and You should go and check that out. So, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to do. 
Uh, going back to the going back to the F thirty five, I did reach out to my buddy who was uh, who lives in Charleston. I asked him. I said if he saw the F thirty five, and um, and he said yes. I was the pilot, so mystery solved. He was the pirate. The pilot. He is a pirate. Anywho, here's another one for you. I got two people that that responded about the F-35. Both are in a position where they would know, and they are on, well, you'll see. Howdy, Frank. I'm not sure if you covered the news story regarding the F-35B that went missing post-ejection and subsequently crashed and was found. Well, I'm writing in because I just wanted to give you some perspective as a former F-35C Marine pilot. My husband is still still in flying the EA-18G Growler. I've seen so many insane theories on Twitter and in different articles sent to me over the past few days. The jet was hacked. The whole thing was a PSYOP. How could a pilot have ejected and the aircraft still fly? Why wasn't the transponder working? Marine Corps-wide safety stand-down is a suspicious way to keep all of our aircraft on the ground for the next few days, etc., etc. Explanation of the most probable course of events in my experience... Number one, pilot ejected due to a a multiplicity of emergencies that could happen in the F-35. We are trained to eject if specific emergencies arise. The jet could still seem flyable to people who don't understand how the aircraft works, but a pilot would still be in the right to eject. For example, the landing gear cannot come down, so no way to land. That means eject. Post-ejection, The jet either glided or flew itself on autopilot until it ran out of fuel and then crashed. There is no such thing as hacking the autopilot or the jet by a bad actor and flying it away. This is asinine. Also, authorities start a rapid search for the jet by obvious reasons or for obvious reasons. Classified information and technology in aircraft harm to civilian population in surrounding areas due to any burn that could occur and environmental damage caused by huge dust cloud of ram coating from destroyed jet. There is no tracking device also on board to find a down jet. So all the people saying, oh, look, the military is so dysfunctional they can't find their jet is just silly. There may have been mistakes made on that part of the pilot if he left the, 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 the jet on autopilot prior to the ejection. That goes against our training. Or his wingman, perhaps, if he had had one, if he even had one that day. Who knows if he even had one. I think there was, I don't know if I saw two, two pilots eject or not. Because my memories are starting to get, I didn't, I didn't watch the clip enough, but my memories are starting to get crossed with the, uh, the MiG, the MiG crash a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, losing a jet looks bad, but this is just what happens if a pilot ejects and the jet continues to glide from altitude, uh, potentially many miles away from where the pilot parachute lands. Anyone claiming to know specifically what happened, even the use of autopilot, which I have seen, is making up information because mishap investigation boards take months to complete and those details would never be released to the public. Another thing, Marine Corps-wide safety stand-downs are not some conspiracy to ground the whole fleet of aircraft worldwide and make us vulnerable. Safety stand-downs are an extremely common occurrence after mishaps. Squadrons use the downtime uh, to reiterate best practices, share experiences, and discuss ways to improve safety and standardization. 
As someone who generally mistrusts the official news story and likes a good conspiracy theory as much as the next person, this whole thing has been a good lesson to be circumspect about trusting a juicy conspiracy or speculation when it's in an area that no one would that uh, uh, in an area one knows very little about. An online media Twitter source or guru can easily pitch a convincing sounding theory, but people who know very little about that field get hoodwinked. Occam's razor, simplest explanation is the correct one. Semper Fi, my friend, I love listening to your shows nightly as I cook dinner. Signed, Catherine. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better about just one thing or another. But I, what the hell are we looking at there? As far as the, the supposed crash zone, there was nothing there. There's nothing there. It's really, it's good to know the the protocols for things like this. And that was very edifying. But like I said, it, maybe there's better footage that's out there. But the fact that the only debris that you can see in the supposedly, this supposed debris field is like the size of confetti. Um, it, it doesn't, it, it makes, it's just weird. It's weird. And obviously there's a lot the public are not going to know. Anywho. Um, now this one is from Another person in the audience, Soberless Thoughts, and Soberless Thoughts has written in in the past, and this is a little bit, uh, a little bit shorter than what Catherine had written in, and this is what they say. I was a mechanic on jets in the Air Force, Frank, for many years. I know for a fact that it is possible for someone to remotely make a pilot think that the aircraft is unsavable and eject. They remote the uh, they remote pilot would then immediately correct the instrument panel back to the default settings and control the aircraft much like a drone, landing it safely wherever they want. I mean, could you get any any two responses that are any more different? And uh, and and then again too, you know, you just these are largely anonymous emails that come in. And I'm throwing it out there just for, for conversation's sake. But I'm just going to have to take everybody by the word that they are these mechanics. They are they are pilots. But Catherine says that the whole taking things over is nonsense. And Soberless Thoughts says that it is not only able to take a plane and use them as a drone, but it's also possible for someone to remotely make a pilot think that the aircraft is unsavable. Wouldn't that have to be done from a very, very big position of power? Like, wouldn't an air traffic controller or somebody, I mean, wouldn't that be something, something to consider? And then again, where are they taking the plane to? It's not like they, they went off. I thought for sure that we were going to hear that this was, you know, off the coast and it made, it made its way down to the Caribbean or something. There were some reports that were debunked that the plane had landed in Cuba. And now here we are over the mainland. And there's a little stretch of woods that seems a few trees were pushed over. Hopefully we get more footage, but I... I Probably not. This will be another one of those, hey, you remember the F-35 thing in 2023? Entire year's worth of these types of stories. And uh, you just hope that some of them get resolved. Anywho. So that's what we have over there. Um, is there anything else that I have for you? Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to open up the lines now. There's the general line. Call in with whatever you got. 914 200 Just 
have a pitch, a quick pitch ready. And I will ask questions if there's questions to be asked. But other than that, just come on, say something nice, and let us know what's on your mind. Now, I'm also going to open up the inside information hotline because this seems like a kind of night where we might be able to get some inside information in the last 25 minutes. You can call that. That is 914-369-1236. 914-369-1236. You call in to this line if you have something that you know that no one else knows. It is not a rumor mill. It is nothing like that. Don't call in with an idea. I don't care about ideas. I want to know what you know. And you can use a fake name, whatever the hell it is. It could be a total LARP, but call in with something that you know, that you've seen, you've proven, you were in a boardroom for. We want to see the darkest, the darkest, deepest, most amazing things that you've got. That's 914-369-1236, especially if it's something that we need to know quickly. All right, let's take a call. 216 is on the air. What's going on there, sir? Frank wanted to call about the um, the fighter aircraft that was taken over. Go ahead. Now, uh, do you have any um, do you have any hands-on experience with this? Are you in the uh, the Air Force, the military? I am not. Okay. But I have researched thoroughly without question. Okay. Field McConnell since pilots for 9/11 Truth he is a well-known fighter pilot. He uh, exposed the able danger operation that was going on. He put out the information. Must have been like 2008, 2009. There's something called an uninterruptible autopilot on all aircraft since the mid-70s. So immediately what comes to mind is you can have hijackers for the 9-11 event since you can't take over a jet if they don't want it to be taken over. There's a specific chip on all jets that allow them to take control anytime they want. And it goes right along with the MH370. Remember how that plane was missing? Yeah, the Malaysian, That's all total the Malaysian flight? Yeah, the Malaysian one, exactly. That's all nonsense. They know exactly where the plane was. Because jet engines have a connection at all times. They know the amount of hours that engine is running and exactly where it is. So the concept that they lost this jet is complete nonsense. The jet was obviously hacked. There's information coming out that that plane landed in Cuba. And just like you talked about with the debris field, there ain't no fucking way that's the debris field for that jet. Hey, you know it what? Reminds me of yeah. No, I know, I know. It, it reminds you of Shanksville, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right, Frank. I know. I know. It. it, it the. the uh, it's exactly what I thought. I said, "What? What is this now?" Okay. Well, hey, whatever happens, and thank you for the call. A really good call, and we'll see what uh, what what response comes to that. Whatever it is, the video that we just watched together, uh, that's either the worst angle, the worst footage that they could muster in 47 seconds. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you have an aerial view. You have an aerial view 
of a of a fighter jet crash in the Carolinas and you can't pick up an engine there's no there's no evidence of what obviously it wasn't loaded with explosives but but still it's a it's a fighter jet and it's full of fuel where is it where is it so who knows what comes out but uh still have that that to the lean on 817 you're on the air who's this Frank this is Ed hello Ed Hello, man. It's been way too long, man. It's been like uh, probably over a year since we've chatted, man. Well, it, it, the year has passed. It'll be another year before you know it. What did we talk about last time? Uh, you know, man, last time you talked to my daughter, you know, she's a dancer, and you're like, hey, send me some photos in. You thought she was like 16, 17, and she's only 11 at the time. She's 13 now. She just turned 13. Um, but I'm going to take you back to about that time. Um probably a year and a half ago you and rob um how's rob doing man i miss him he was doing good he was on the show a couple of weeks ago and when i get back from new england i'm going to look at some of the uh the mondays i have coming up and hopefully because i think mondays are better for him than others so i want to see if he wants to come by again all right man that'd, that'd be cool that'd be cool hey um so about a year and a half ago rob was on it was a thursday of course and then uh it was it was one of these it was like a side comment you guys made um he was working with a client um his client was longtime goldman sachs guy goldman sachs guy said uh you know in 2008 we knew we had enough there was going to be a major issue but we knew we had enough paper to, to paper over it you know they were going to print money we we're going to be fine but this time it's like the only time that fixes this is a global nuclear war and then you guys just moved on like nothing was ever said. It was kind of frustrating. But um, the world's freaking crazy now, man, and nothing makes sense. And every time I'm like, dude, what the hell are they doing? I put those pair of glasses on that we got from Rob, and it all makes sense, man. Well, hey, I mean, well, what else was there to be said? I know that you you said it was a little annoying that we just stopped right there, but what <laughs> yeah, what no, else is there to be said? Well, I don't know, man. It's just like, uh, hey, I slept with your girlfriend. How about them Cowboys? No, I don't want to talk about those Cowboys. What the hell did you just say? I, you know. But, um, <laughs> well, it's. So, well, I mean, yeah. listen. If you, 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 the girlfriend thing, I mean, th- there's details to be to be shared there. As far as the nuclear war, we're just saying that we're just saying that the the, the methodology of wiping away the chessboard and starting something new is going to, you know, it, the, 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 it's going to have to be a, a severe escalation of force. And, um, and, and of course that was, we got COVID after that yeah. or, or was that during COVID? No, that was, that was during, that was during, COVID. it was during. So, yeah. I mean, it was obvious to see yeah. what was going on there. You had this, um, you know, th- th- there's one way that you can bring the entire world to its knees culturally, you know, on a, on a, on a civil liberties level and also economically without having there to be a shooting war. I mean, how, it was exactly like a shooting war. I mean, everybody's lives were impacted more in 2020 than they were during World War II because it was more completely impacting the entire planet. You can, you can still find some places that were peaceful during World War II. They say it was a world war, but there, was some, there were places where combat was not, you know, not a thing. But this was the entire planet. Uh, but there was no there's no shots being fired. It was just a, a, a you know a war on the mind. But you know during that time they showed us they told us exactly what what they envisioned as a as a reset. And for that to happen, I mean you need, you're going to need something a little bit more kinetic. 
and um, I, I don't know what kind of sparks they're looking for in in different um, different theaters right now. But Ukraine just looks like it's a uh, it's a tinderbox situation, and who who knows where else it goes. But either way, I hope that your daughter is still dancing, um, and I hope everything is well at home. And thank you for calling it, Ed. Hey man, have a good night. Be well. All right, take care. All right, let's go nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. Did you did you hear about this though? This is from Kenneco with a great today. The Biden administration has pointed James Clapper, John Brennan, and Paul Colby, former intelligence officials, to a DHS Homeland Intelligence Experts Group handling national security issues. These individuals signed the fraudulent October 2020 letter, deceptively asserting that Hunter Biden's laptop was likely Russian disinformation. His falsehood, this falsehood significantly impacted the the closely contested 2020 election decided by a mere 44,000 vote margin in Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Why select intelligence, even though the one did not impact the other? You know, that's what it always comes down to. Um, what does what do all of these stories really do? Obviously, when something is really fleshed out, the Hunter Biden laptop thing, if that is discussed with any seriousness in 2020, yes, Joe Biden's campaign, if you want to call it that, would hemorrhage even more support. But that is not the, the, the tipping point. <laughs> do you think it was that competitive of a race? It wasn't that competitive of a race. The reason why they inundate you with all of these insanely contrived scandals is because to the average sucker out there, they see these scandals, they internalize them as real, they see chaos in the ranks of their opponent, they see stability on the other side, where they're just cool, calm, collected, and they're working for the everyman. So they have this projection of chaos where there is none. That's just been drummed up out of nowhere, and they just want to make people look like they're subhuman. The other side is always on the, the cutting edge of one thing or another. And, um, and then when they go and they take an election, then that is just something that psychologically supports that the election is legitimate for the average person out there. And there's far more average people who don't look into this stuff than there are us. I mean, obviously, we're growing in number, and that's great, because the more the merrier. But for the longest time, it makes you wonder just how bad the elections have always been. We've, we've asked that question out loud plenty of times. But that is what the real game plan for all this nonstop inundation of contrived scandals are. Especially this last week where now everybody has a sexual accuser again. Everybody. You know, the scandals are there for the everyday lollipop sucker to say, wow, well, yeah. Well, you know, toward the end there, you know, the Donald Trump really had problems. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And Joe Biden really got strong at the end. No, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. It just makes the result feel believable to anybody who actually trusts the people who are putting the scandals out there. So, um, but of course, that is a that's that's an easy level of psyop to shake off. That's an easy level to realize that all oh, this is all nonsense because you start recognizing patterns and timing. Just like when, when Google, everybody started getting all the Google search term results for Black Lives Matter that spiked through the roof in 2016, in 2012. Every four years, Black Lives Matter spiked and then it disappeared for four years. Every election year, Black Lives Matter. Th- things like that, these are pa- patterns that you, that you see. They're the easiest ones to shake off. Then you go deeper levels, of course, and 
there's that. But anyway, why select intelligence officials who intentionally spread disinformation to sway a U.S. election for a role in the DH expert group tasked with national security? Shouldn't they be losing their security clearances, Kanakoa the Great asks. John Brennan, James Clapper, Paul Colby, incredible. Losing their security clearances, they should be in jail for multiple lifetimes. My only question I have for you at home to mull over in your private time is, have they been brought in to cover up something that has already happened? Or have they been brought in to prepare for a cover-up that will be necessary over the next 14 months? That's what I want to know. All right, let's take a call. I got a call from Jim from Maine. I think this this is Jim Zell. What's going on, Jim? Hey, Frank. Uh, if you hold on one second, I think I can get my brother on here real quick. Oh, we got the brother showing up. All right. Yes. Hold on one sec. Frank. I'm here. I got. Can you hear us? Hello, Zells. Hey. <laughs> hey, Frank. How you doing? Yeah. Doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, and I, Frank, I just wanted to. You're probably aware of uh, the documents that were dumped. Uh, yesterday regarding the Delphi murders. Were, were you you were familiar with that case? Yes. Yes, I was reading through it. In fact, I actually sent that over to uh, Mike King at Profiling Evil, too. And um, and uh, he, he offered to come on the show sometime soon for a quick hit on it. But uh, but you want to talk about that right now? <laughs> it's up to you. I saw the documents are available um, that were released, and it's, uh, it's about 136 pages were released and you know i've always heard of the delphi murders i've never really looked into it too much um other other things other cases but uh just to give a quick breakdown there were two girls that were hiking on a day off from school uh and in, 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 i believe it was indiana uh, at delphi uh, indiana yeah yeah where on the trail you know when they w- went to be picked up by the by their parents they never appeared and they were murdered. And during the investigation, there was one thing that popped up right away where is that they never uh, released how the girls were murdered. That's, that's a gigantic red flag, mm-hmm. you know, as far as what my brother and I have looked into over the years. Um, so the case went cold for, for about five years. They eventually made an arrest not too long ago. A guy's name was Richard Allen. And he's the guy that they said was in the general area. They found some evidence possibly linked to the case at his home. So he's in jail right now. But the defense just leaked these hundred, not leaked, they they opened it up, 136 pages of what the police did not divulge to the public about how these girls were murdered. And it was, it, it was ritualistic. Oh, absolutely. By, yeah. by nature. And it was. And when you read the documents, they're, they're, and they're coming with receipts. They're coming with facts about how the sheriff's office and the investigators intentionally uh, kept back investigating the ritual aspect of it by um, the Odinites, which is the, I guess, the North, the North God, the yeah. cult that's out there. 
they intentionally did not look at that angle. No, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, too, guys, uh, just to put it out there is and we had spoken a little bit about this in private. But this in Frank, you're, you're right. It comes. It's right out of True Detective season one about the place, yep. the placement of 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 uh, of sticks, the adorning of the the victim's head with uh, deer antlers, all the, the all this, the positioning of the body. It's all very ritualistic. It's straight out of True Detectives. Now, just to give you, now this isn't just like a, a dump by the by the defense team. They're trying to get a Frank's hearing. A Frank's hearing is when you're is when you're trying to prove that there's been lying, <laughs> yeah. that people lie. You know, cops uh, lied in, in in their investigation. That's what they're trying to do, and. Judges don't take kindly to attorneys that do this because you better have strong evidence of, of, of you know, uh, because, you know, judges and prosecutors, they work together. So you can't just come out there just to, just to say it, you know, to help your client. You better have proof. Man, when you read those affidavits, when, when you read, it's 130 pages. These guys lied from Jump Street. They had, they knew the crime scene. See, that's the thing. Nobody knew. They didn't say how the girls died. They didn't talk about the crime scene at all. Everything was under seal, so nobody had any idea. Now you know. These cops lied straight from Jump Street. They told the defense, "Oh, we had a professor look at you know look at the pictures of the crime scene." He said this was not a cult. This had nothing to do with Odinism. Wow. Uh, nothing. And then the defense team goes, okay, what's the professor's name? Oh, we forgot. Oh, you forgot the professor's name. They, wait, that wait, wait. Your that, that's, that's for real? That's for real? They, they that, said that, that they that, That's a fact. And what also is the fact is when they once they steered the investigation to Richard Allen and no other uh, suspects, especially with the ritual angle, there were three other cops who they mentioned by name in, in the uh, affidavits that kept up the investigation on the ritual side of things. And they found connection after connection after connection, and they reported back to the task force. These three cops are mentioned by name, and they said, you have to look at this. We found connections with Odinite groups that were in Delphi and in another town, and they linked together, and they're, con- and they're, they're connected to the murder. These three cops kept up kept up the research without the task force refused to listen to them. They have no forensic evidence on Richard Allen at all. There's no DNA at all. These guys, oh, and they lied to even get the search warrant to search his house that they used to arrest him. They lied to get the warrant. And this is that not only are they going to get this. Thing, this guy out. Wait, 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 wait. Say, repeat, repeat what you just said there. You broke up. You said not only are what? Not only are they going to get the hearing that they're looking for. I, unless the judge is the killer himself, Richard Allen is going to be let out. Even if he did it, you can't, the cops cannot do what they just did. It is outrageous. They're watching. 
The question is, why did they do? Exactly. Why did that, they that was my. So that hard? was the question I was waiting to ask. And, I, I, and Frank, you know what? Some of that question is. One of the older knights that were in, that were looked into by the other cops said they knew powerful powerful people in in their community. So my hunch is that one is that you have powerful people in that community who practice Odinism. Number two, two guards who are in the correctional uh, facility where Richard Allen is being kept and that they've been around him the whole time are Odinites. They were wearing patches on their uniforms in front of the, the in front of the defense attorney who took notice and then stopped wearing the patches when they figured out what the defense was going to do. This so is you have a, guards yeah. that are guarding Richard Allen who are actually um, in the, in the old night cult. So even his guards... You can't, make, you can't make that up. The correctional guards in the jail where Richard Allen's being held. The real question here is, now this makes... This makes you wonder how many people from town or, or neighboring towns have gone missing over the last however many years. How many how many of them have been gone missing and not, never found again or found in some way or, 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 or I, I don't know. This makes you think that everybody, if everybody from the guards there to the police, everybody's in the know, everybody is at least running interference. That means that there needs to at least be a loose enough affiliation that they would feel loyal, some kind of loyalty or compulsion to go out there and to uh, mess with the crime scene in such a way that it would actually let a killer go. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's frightening as all hell. But, of course, this, this is a, a theme that we talk about all the time when, um, when cases like this are brought into public eye. That it's, it's usually not just a matter of a killer and, a, and his or her victim. It's usually about a supporting network around it that, that, makes, that facilitates this and allows it to be an ongoing thing. This is a perfect example of what you just said. This case, yes. the Delphi murders, what they did is a great example because people are going to lose their careers over this, or worse. That's how bad it is. It starts off bad, and by the time you, it, it gets... I, I, I was a little amazed, but this is what a police department is able to do when they want to steer an investigation a certain way. It could be different murders or different, you know, it doesn't have to be a cold murder. It could be something else. But if the police want to steer it from a certain angle, they can't. Everything gets put under seal. They can just for not look at a certain angle and just yes. focus on something else, especially if in the town there are people or that they're close to or that they know, they know powerful friends, and they don't want to jam them up, so they'll steer it away. It happens all the time in a lot of different cases. The Ramsey case is a great one. As everybody knows, me and my brother, sex rings were involved. The Boulder police will say, yeah, we looked at that. There was nothing to it. There was nothing to it. We found 20 years worth of sex rings in that town and the surrounding area. What the hell are you talking about? But you push them on it, what do they say? We can't talk about an open investigation. So you don't get to see what they what they've done you don't get to see what evidence they've collected we can't it's not open to public scrutiny but what in the delphi case now it is you and get to see all the steps they've done and and all the lies they told and the 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 authorities in the town kicked out the fbi who were trying to assist them um 
when they were when the defense team contacted the uh, FBI behavioral unit, they asked them and said, "Hey, is there anything, um, you know, that's maybe cultish with this case?" And they said, "Oh yes, it, it looks like a you know a Norse cult is involved." And they and they said, "Oh, that's funny, you know the the authorities told us that uh, you guys didn't say that." So the <laughs> the investigators basically lied about what the FBI originally told them that said, yeah, there's a cult involved in this. Well, let me and ask the defense you, team was lied to. Let me ask you something that you guys may have picked up, may, have some ideas from over the years, and as I have to wind down this uh, this broadcast for band practice, I'm kicking myself sure. for having to do that, but it, uh, unfortunately that's what I have to do right now. But in all of your years doing this, when you start coming upon uh, these power you know these powerful circles or these powerful people like when you say that there are powerful locals there are people of great power and influence locally if you're talking about a smaller town a mountain town when you talk about powerful influence are you i mean what what can that possibly be just the just the the, the richest man in town the, or are we talking about person uh, people of significant power outside of the town who just happens to reside there or are they connected to some like what does that mean i can't imagine that just like a, a local city council member is uh is going to make people quake in their boots just because they're a city council member it's got to be power and influence that's attained beyond the local government structure it's it's most likely you're talking about the wealthy of the community, the powerful in the area. That's when these problems start. It's not like you know a councilman. A councilman may feel like in certain cases that he can get away with it because of who who he knows. But, but that's how it works. But when the when you're talking like chiefs of police, like Nebraska, Franklin, right, Chief Wadman, he was involved in it. But it was a who's who in Omaha. Every like it, it only there were hundreds of people accused in that case. It was it, it was much bigger than what than what you read about online. It was many many more victims, many more accused, and it was a, a very very powerful people. I'm assuming in Delphi, you have people in the community. There are very wealthy people, powerful people there. Maybe you know certain business owners and. They've been doing this a long time. They commit, you know, they commit a sacrifice. And now all they got to do is who, the way the chief of police acted. I would not be as surprised if, if he's an older knight. Hmm. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. That the, way that, the way that, the least. I would, that I, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at the very least. He would just know how bad the, how bad and how about the infestation is and just wants to keep, you know wants to keep his head on his shoulders uh, it's either one or the other it's it's either he he knows just how surrounded he is or he's part of it yeah either this guy is part of it or he or there's a tremendous amount of fear and he has to do it cuz he's going to he's going to lose his job over this i mean if not go to jail I mean, never mind they hid evidence, exculpatory evidence. You cannot do that during, uh, during discovery. You cannot keep evidence from the defense that can get a suspect out of jail. Oh, yeah, it's brutal. But that's, that's the case everybody should be following. The Delphi murders, Richard Allen, just, just broke yesterday. The documents were just released, what, yesterday, like yesterday evening or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's it is absolutely insane reading. And and Frank, yeah, it is straight out of True Detective when they break down the crime scene and what the crime scene was like in in the memo. Yeah, out of out of all documents I've ever read, it actually reads like a novel. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, thank I, you. I highly recommend your audience look, you know, look, look that up. Well, let's, let's, let's right, keep Frank. let's keep it uh, let, let, let's keep an eye on it because I'd love to have you guys back for a update on this and anything else and and uh, whatever we pick as subject matter going into the fall and the winter. Absolutely, sounds good, Frank. All right, guys, be good. Okay, All right, Frank. Take care. Yeah, there you go. Her, that's it. There, here, here's the scene from True Detective, from season one. Listen to this. This is going to happen again. You know what's happened before? Both. Go on. It's fantasy enactment. Ritual. Fetishization. Iconography. This is his vision. Her body is a paraphilic love map. How's that? An attachment of physical lust to fantasies and practices forbidden by society. You get that from one of your books? I did. Her knees are abraded, rug burns on her back, cold sores, gum line recession, bad teeth. There's decent odds she was a prost. They might not have known her, but this idea goes way back with him. You got a chapter in one of those books on jumping to conclusions? You attach an assumption to a piece of evidence. You start to bend the narrative to support it. Prejudice yourself. Wait and see on the ID. Not. This kind of thing does not happen in a vacuum. I guarantee this wasn't his first. It's too specific. If you haven't seen uh, the the first season of True Detective, at least I I you know I, I didn't want you to see the nudity, so I uh, I made um I made my my picture and picture a little bit bigger, but uh, you you gotta see it. And you'll see, the, I mean, the hanging from the trees are are the sticks, the perfectly placed sticks, and of course the positioning of the body. You saw the antlers, things like that, and it, that is exa- It's talking about that in this particular state with Adelphi. This p- particular situation. That's what I was talking about with the Zells before, and uh, and this scene came up in conversation. So maybe time for me to watch this again. Because uh, I I can I can watch the these two are amazing, in this it really is. We should do a um, we should do a uh, a marathon on on the network one night one weekend. True Detective Marathon. Anyway, I appreciate you all. Let me get into the super chats and get these out and uh, read. Jay Semo says, "How do these forest food deserts work with the fifteen minute cities insanity?" Oh boy, you're right. Oh, it's going to work very well. Nobody has time to go anywhere anymore. Just to go, I have to leave the... I'll be right back. I have to go steal some vo- some groceries. Be right back. Stostube, thank you so much. Jay Britt says, Sean Penn's inner self, 
His inner Jeff Spicoli is bubbling to the surface. Spicoli was a uh, little bit of a dupe, but he had a good heart. Uh, Sean Penn is a broken, twisted, sourpuss face. I don't know. Uh, Carlos Carreras, a friend of ours, works in the entertainment industry, says 1,000% Bob Barker already died in the last decade. I'd swear my life on it. To me, it's why Drew took over. This is like the Sex in the City Mandela. So that was from last night about Bob Barker. Thank you to Robert Sarns, Porpoiseful, Captain Flint, and Sean Joe. It's been a wonderful night with you guys, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I have Nick Hinton on the schedule. We're going to have a good day, a good night, one way or another, full two hours together, and I'm looking forward to it. All right? Well, in the meantime, you know where to find me. Email me, quite frankly, podcast at gmail or protonmail.com. Please become a sponsor on the Sponsor Us tab on quitefrankly.tv or through any of the links that are in the description of this episode. I'd love to welcome you aboard. And again, if you sign up for any of the postcard uh, 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 tiers on either Patreon or Subscribestar, then you get the special edition Aurora birthday postcard. And if you ever wanted, if you just wanted that one for whatever, if you said, oh, I'd like to get on that, then you can go on PayPal and send a little PayPal tip and whatever the hell you send over, doesn't matter. Just just uh, in the note, Put your mailing address, and we'll get you on the list for the month of September. All right. Well, thank you, for everybody, for calling in. I wish we could take another hour of calls. They were really, really compelling tonight, and I had a lot of fun. I hope you did, too. I just see the guys just walk through the door, guitars slung over their shoulders. They're ready to work, and so am I. All right. Bye-bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. frankly is filmed before a live studio audience and now our super chatters starting with Robert Sarns, Porpoiseful, Captain Flint, Sean Joe, and Stostube. And over on quite frankly superchat.com, oh, Stostube says brainstorming Frank, not able to hit up the retreat because sold out. But would you like to, uh, we will be there in spirit and support. Televised Frank Dunk for one minute receives a $500 gift. I repeat, two of the quite frankly hosts and, th- oh no, oh, hold on, I'm going to have to read this tomorrow, Stostube. This is too good to be rushed right now. Oh boy, what are you doing? We'll do this tomorrow, I promise. Okay, I'll see you guys later.